Hello, everybody. Today we have a special guest. His name is Frank. He is a filmmaker and a researcher. And this episode is going to be part of the New Earth, New World Order series. This is going to be episode eight, my new favorite number. So this works out perfect. And I want to say thank you, Frank, for joining us. And today I want to get Frank's point of view, his information of all this stuff that's going on with the New Earth and the New World Order. He has some very interesting information that deals with Project Looking Glass. And I always thought that was interesting when I discovered about Project Looking Glass about how there was two scenarios, a good scenario and a bad scenario. But the first place scenario was the good scenario. And it always made me wonder, did that have anything to do with the new earth, humanity raising the vibration and so on. So I am so glad that Frank decided to come on board, have this interview and be part of the series. Frank, tell everybody what you do and what you want to share right now. How you doing? <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, where do I start? <laughs> you're, supposed to be, well, you're supposed to do all the introduction. <laughs> I'll keep it going, baby. I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> I made a couple of crazy films, you know, about uh, Mars and the sun and Venus even and uh, the moon. Stuff like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, you know, I've over the years morphed into various roles. Originally, I started off in, in the arts. Namely, I was in music and... I felt the arts were a very powerful way to communicate information. And the original goal was to become, you know, a famous rock star and then just, you know, sort of like slide in, you know, messages into the music and do it oh, that way. But, you know, as the music business is totally corrupt and full of Luciferians, I guess at some point it was destined that I was not going to be able to make my stellar rise in that medium. So I, you know, I got into other areas and I saw film as the other option, uh, multi, well, actually multimedia, but you know, film is kind of multimedia because it's a combination of images and music and text and information and emotions and things are, you know, an excellent communication vehicle. So that's kind of the direction I went into. I made a brief pit stop as a VJ where I was trying to pioneer something called live cinema, which I thought was kind of cool because I started to develop software with a, a New Jersey company to that that allowed you to kind of create all these different scenes and, and I thought okay instead of just putting wallpaper on the walls at disco clubs I would actually go out and film scenes and create like these you know like gorilla films <laughs> and I'd put them directly onto the to the walls you know take it directly to the people sort of speaking and, and that's kind of a an interesting thing and I think it's it has a lot of potential still but then I got into the traditional form of, you know, making films and videos, and that led me to where I guess I am now, which is to make, you know, to take um, ideas and go out and film them and cut them into decent looking documentary films, if possible, combining all of my different skill sets that I've picked up over the years and delving into kind of crazy topics. I figured if I'm going to be doing going to the trouble to make a film and it's a lot of work then you know I was not approach it the way other documentary filmmakers have done it because there's a lot of great documentary films out there and they're usually associated with you know dry investigative to the point talking heads and a few pictures and I wanted to make it kind of cinematic and make it an immersive experience and still have all that good stuff in it as well so that led me to make packing for mars and also solar revolution 
And I met along the way, a out of place artifacts researcher by the name of Klaus Donner. So I helped him put together kind of a not so artistic cinematic kind of a DVD, but you know, something that gets the information out there because he had nothing. And he was probably the, probably at that point, one of the most well-known or respected uh, Uparts researchers in the world. And he had nothing out there. So we helped him do that. And, you know, as it so goes, you end up in, you know, I never really expected to land in the area of fringe uh, science and secret space programs and all that. But because of the subject matter of packing for Mars, mm -hmm. there was no way around it. I ended up getting into that whole scene, the disclosure stuff, ufology and fringe science and quantum physics and and it was an amazing journey and, and led me to the point where I, I learned a lot about these kinds of fringe sciences and fringe technologies. And in the course of my work together with Tony Maidenford on, on these films, we ended up in Europe and we connected with some interesting people, some scientists over here, one particular uh, biophysicist that uh, we made the film Solar Revolution with. And that relationship has, has become you know, has expanded so that we're, we were talking about things like time travel and looking glass and uh, all, all these things that were out there. And it wasn't until I saw um, just through total fluke one night, I was on the web on Telegram, I think, and just kind of browsing a particular person's channel, which I normally never do because it's kind of chaos to go and filter through all those thousands of messages. But for some reason, I was looking for something. I don't know what I was looking for. I don't remember. But then I saw this thing that said looking glass. Mm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this doesn't belong here. So because it didn't belong there and because it stood out like a, you know, a peach in the pear tree, I clicked on it. And that led me to a YouTube channel of a particular group of individuals or people calling themselves guardians of the looking glass. And for me, that was, of course, it meant more than it did to most people because I had some experience with looking glass, particularly with Bill Ryan and Kerry Cassidy. I think we, you mentioned uh, the names earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was familiar with that. The last time I'd ever heard of the material, it was over 10 years. So it was interesting that all of a sudden this group emerges 10 years later and lays out some pretty apocalyptic messages in a, in a series of three videos. And the thing that was interesting about it was that their material was, you know, I, I was familiar with the, the last, probably the one interview that most people know most about Looking Glass is the one that Carrie Cassidy published with a guy called Bill Wood, mm -hmm. whose actual name is Brock Brader. So it's, you know, it turned out that he was, you know, using an assumed name. Gotcha. To protect and that video community. was out there for a long time. And, and you know, for most people take that video to be, you know, the gospel, you know, because they think, because I think people are kind of set on the idea of, uh, of moving into the future and that there's going to be like an evolutionary leap of humanity and that it's all going to go good. And yet, and that's what Bill Woods video was saying. He was basically saying that, um, there are people that were dealing with the technology, this looking glass technology, which we can get into in a little bit more detail if you mm -hmm. want. But the basic message was that I'll just take a side jump here that looking glass technology for those who don't know is a kind of technology that allows people to view timelines in a kind of a 3d holographic projection if you will so they can and they, they can see into the future more or less 
they can't, uh, you know, they can't really directly do anything with that, but they can observe it. And then later with their observations, they were able to, they figured out that, you know, now that we know that happened, what if we do this kind of thing? And they began doing that. And the Bill Woods version of that, of that project looking glass, those who were doing that, what if were the black hats, more or less deep states, deep state elites. And they figured out that no matter what they did at a certain point, they reached kind of a problem. And that problem was that it doesn't matter how much they tinkered, all the timelines at a certain point in time fused and merged into a single singularity. And the outcome was always only one outcome. And that was unfortunately an outcome which was bad for them and good for the people because the event that took place when that all merged which was going to happen in December 21st, 2012, was this awakening of humanity. Now that came and went, as we all know, and there wasn't an awakening of humanity. In fact, <laughs> things have gotten a lot dire since then. Uh, so, and, and gotten worse and worse and worse, you could say, for those people who are awakening and who are eyes wide open looking at what's going on in the world. Well, along come these guardians of the looking glass and they laid out a different scenario. They said, yes, there, uh, you know, they were a group of insiders that had been working with that technology and they had been witness to those future timelines and they had seen some pretty, yeah, just earth shattering, horrendous things that just shook them to the core. And because they were insiders and they had this scoop on the information, they decided among the few of them amongst themselves decided to kind of steal away with a set of the data and figure out a way to maybe try to change what they saw. And so this is what we come down to here. This is the main difference between the Looking Glass Guardians and the Bill Wood version. Okay. Bill Wood says it was inevitable that we wake up and the dark side gets kiboshed. Well, the Guardians were saying that the odds were basically that the, the dark side saw no matter what they did, they were going to get their way. Their timeline was going to be the prevalent timeline and the odds of that timeline were pretty much certain, except for one little curiosity. There were three years in the year 2012, in the year 2016, and in the year 2022. They saw in their projected timelines that there was a there was a branch off timeline, a rogue timeline from their perspective that led to their demise and led to the awakening of humanity. But, um, you know, so the group thought, okay, well, let's just see what happened. So 2012 came and went nothing happened. They didn't come out, you know, the, the officials working with the technology didn't make any announcements, didn't make any change to the timeline. 2016 came, they also never came out and made, made any big changes to the timeline or made any proclamations. And so here we were in 2022. And now these people felt, well, it's the last year where the timeline branched off and they had to release according to their data, they had to release these this information at a certain point, and the only way to stop the timeline from ending up in the favor of the negative black hats was to open source the information about the potential future dark events which are standing on the horizon. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yes. So that caught my attention because I never really, for one, I obviously we didn't get the awakening, you know, consciousness in 2012 like that, you know. Uh, and B, you think uh, it might have been a slow awakening in tr for 2012 because I heard two stories that it was like a door opening, 
awakening. Well, we'll get to door. that. We'll okay. get to that. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'll circle back. Just remember to remind me if I don't. We'll do. But, but uh, essentially what happened is that um, for me, the, I, like I just observed the world and I can just simply by following without even being psychic or a Pleiadian walk-in or anything like that, if I just follow my research and, and just logically think all the way through to their logical conclusion, the scenarios on the planet right now, you know, the monetary system, the, the use of the type of energy that's being, you know, used fossil fuels and lithium and all these inferior forms of um, energy generation technologies and and immunizations vaccinations that you know the human body's not able to master something which it has evolved for millions of years to actually handle which is you know viruses and bacteria and all these things are just part of nature so all these 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 three major things were all things that were described in these videos of theirs that were going to have a major impact on the future and to increase the probability of the negative timeline to come to pass that made far more sense to me personally then just to kind of like, according to Bill Wood, which was to just kind of sit back. And if you want to, you know, if you can improve yourself or meditate or do anything like that, great, it's going to make it easier when it happens, but it, that it was inevitable. And for me, that was very dangerous because the thought was that, you know, the thought came to me that, well, what if this guy was, uh, was sent in deliberately by the black hats to give that message to everybody, especially people in the new age community and the awakening community, so that they have this idea that, hey, you know, it's inevitable. We're all going to end up evolved in this new consciousness timeline, you know? And, and so I, I made a point right then and there, first of all, to watch to see if anybody's going to put anything out about these videos, because it was pretty like apocalyptic. And I was looking for the usual players to come out and write about it. Many of them that I know, you know, but nobody was coming out. So I decided, okay, look, if this is real, I need to publish it. I need to put it out there because it's all about getting a lot of people simply to look at it and talk about it. And that alone, if there's so many people, there's a critical mass of people. It's like the spoiled birthday party, surprise birthday party. You know, it's just, if you tell the birthday kid, there's a, there's a party waiting from at home, then the part surprise is gone. So the idea was to get as many people talking about the surprise, fake false flag operations, which were planned. And then it would obviously force the other side to back off and uh and stop their plans and so you know this was the the motivation for me publishing it and i didn't really think much other than i'll put it out i put it out on a german platform and you know within hours though i got a call from um in from john nolan and inspired channel who by chance happened to stumble on That's we both awesome. share you know german <laughs> german connections <laughs> yeah hey john and uh <laughs> So he happened to stumble on that on that on that news platform, that portal, just by fluke. He doesn't usually go on it, but and there was my article, bang, you know. And uh, he immediately called me, and then we scheduled a, a talk, and for the following couple of days, and we did this talk, and it just like went viral. It just blew up. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were tuning into the message, and so I realized then at that point, and this pertains to the point you mentioned earlier, this gradual awakening. What I realized at that point was that I think humanity at this point has gone through so many things, so many really crazy um, boundary drawing things in life, precedent setting 
you know, the buck stops here kinds of things that a critical mass of people have reached uh, a point where they're thinking, you know, even people that weren't necessarily conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. like that, like the call us, right? People that are researchers are automatically conspiracy theorists. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so, so um, I realized that there was a critical mass of people that were interested in this topic. And that were resonating with the idea that it was all about us creating our timeline actively that we couldn't just sit and passively wait for the timeline to happen because of cosmic events, but that, yes, there is a cosmic event coming. And yes, there has been already activation in the solar system, which we covered in our film Solar Revolution, which was one of the reasons why, for me, the message of the Guardians of the Looking Glass resonated so much, because I, I did understand that there was an acute raising of energies and frequencies in the immediate environment of our galaxy hitting us that have never hit us before and these are specifically the kinds of radiations and rays and waves and frequencies that are deliberately tuned to trigger and stimulate us as biological beings and that we seem to have arrived at a certain point in evolution that this is affecting us in a way that could actually lead to a quantum evolutionary leap in consciousness, one like we've never had before. There's always been little leaps and there's been rises and falls of civilization. We've all heard of Atlantis and Lemuria and some of these others, but you know, in the end, it's always returned us to the same, you know, reset and we're back to the stone age, you know, with cave drawings and, uh, and, and getting back to our iPhones, you know? So this may have happened already quite a few times, but it's like, now it seems like this is a game a point in the cycle where we have this chance to catapult, but this time is really different. And so what happened in 2012 that Bill Wood was alluding to, which he didn't really describe very well, was that yes, there are these frequencies coming at us. And yes, there is kind of a window opening, which is a window of time where we are being stimulated by this extra juice out there, if you might want to call it that, which is tuned to our consciousness as human beings but that we do need to know that this is happening and nobody was really talking about it. It was like after 2012 happened, everyone just thought, okay, well, it didn't happen. And I know many people, I just kind of went and did a nosedive and gave up on a lot of stuff with consciousness because there was so much hype around it, right? Everyone was like right. hyping it and nothing happened, right? So a lot of people jumped ship and, uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are still waiting for something to happen. But, you know, what, what we don't know really is the science behind it. And so what I decided to do is started going into, you know, my notes in the past and doing all the research and comparing it to what we talked about in Solar Revolution. And so indeed, what the, what the Guardians of the Looking Glass were talking about was like hitting it right on the money. I mean, they were talking about something which was real. And their perspective, that the timeline was actually predominantly focused and favoring the negative people made absolute sense because you look around at you, we have a, a, a timeline right now that's leading us toward a world of transhumanism, of artificial humans, of, you know, an event horizon where artificial intelligence will make the leap to begin, become recognized as a intelligent, sentient being. And that'll only be a couple of steps before humanity 1.0, us, the organic beings are going to be slowly pushed off until we're extinct. I mean, this could be the last real generation of real humans that we ha have on the planet. 
and uh, and there's the people behind it, like the Yuva Hararis and Klaus Schwabs and you know all their artists, you know the Peter Gabriels and the ones we love, but they're still pitching it to the World Economic Forum. All this you know great technology, and that we're heading toward this future of technology. Well, it was a technocratic society based on data. It wasn't a society based on the values that you know that we actually haven't even really fulfilled. You know, we haven't realized a stable monetary system, a non-hierarchical government, a free form of energy generation that's free for everybody. We haven't done that. And yet here they were, you know, slamming us down the highway toward their transhumanist future. And who was there to stop them? Really? Because the news is talking about it. The films are talking about it. You know, and so I thought what the Guardians of Looking Glass did was did was a big favor, kick us in the butts and say, wait a minute, you know, the guys... Are you aware that there's this timeline thing? There's this timeline war going on. And there are certain people that are in charge of that timeline. And they are not just going to let up. They've been working on that damn thing for over 100 years. They're not just going to go away. And they're not just going to pretend that someone that's coming along, like a Trump or something, was a surprise. They've seen this stuff coming. And they've, in fact, you know, you could even argue that Trump was put in there by them, you know? So it's it's like, you know, if you want to be the opposition, if you want to beat the opposition, be the opposition. You know, it's the old uh, Lao Tzu, art of war. So all this stuff has to be taken into consideration because we as awakening you know, people, as awakening, you know, light activists have to be upping our game too. We can't just be, you know, like wooing our way into the enlightenment. So the other, you know, and, and they actually had numbers. They were saying the prognosis of the probability of the negative timeline in 2022 is, um, you know, leaving 4.9% probability of the good positive timeline from happening to happen. And so the only way to change those odds was to start manifesting or thinking about the fact that we could manifest our own positive timeline and to stop participating in the, the things that are giving the negative timeline energy. All those things, you know, we can think of many things here, you know, that, that are giving fueling that, you know, that negative prognosis. And uh, so that's what the message really, in a nutshell, has been all about since the very beginning of when I discovered that uh, YouTube channel. For Guardians of, of the Looking Glass, so they have their own YouTube channel posted with videos? Right. They have YouTube, they have Rumble, Brighteon. Okay. Um, yeah, they have a few. And then they had their videos, of course. There's been a whole, like, it's been a whole saga. <laughs> Today, they released another video, actually. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Okay. I wasn't too yeah. sure. I, I I didn't know that their videos were on YouTube as well. I thought they were posting on a certain message, message board or a certain website. So I'll have to go check that out as well. Did 2030 come up with anything? Because on the yes. metaphysical this, 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 now you're getting into some of the details, like the the things that caught my attention on the Looking Glass Guardians video text and things were the year 2030. Okay. And in there, and you know, this is a very pivotal year. It's a pivotal year for a lot of reasons. You know, it's a pivotal year for Agenda 21 because 2030 is one of those milestone years. It's a pivotal year, for, you know, from from the perspective of the Looking Glass Guardians. It was the year where the cosmic event happened. So, in the two scenarios that they painted, there was one scenario where the way that the, you know, the the elite were going to try and prevent our timeline from manifesting was to get us all hooked on vaccines and just keep, you know, pumping them into us year after year would play a detrimental role because when this, like we would reach the 2030 point and then the event would happen. And instead of it being a positive event where we just kind of shoot, 
you know, into another dimension in a way because our um, because of our particular chemistry, uh, it will oh, it would actually it would actually switch us off. You know, to the point where people would literally switch off, like drop dead. And a certain amount of people, which they were saying were about 500 million, would somewhere around that number would survive. It would mathematically worked out so that at least 500 million would 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 survive. And then there would be one million of the elites that would be in charge of those others that would be like their slave race. And you know, if you look at that number 500 million, where have we seen that before? You have you heard of something called the Georgia Guidestones? I uh, got it right here on my notes. Exactly. So there you go. There's those numbers again, right? So there's all these like sync points and uh, we have to look at those, you know, regardless of what the, uh, of what the guardians of the looking glass are, you know, there were people that thought they were just psyops and then there were people that thought they were just a crypto scam. And then there were people that thought they were just evil, you know, and, and that their messages because we think about them are going to make them happen, you know, but if you analyze all those, those points one at a time, you realize that none of that really can apply or, you know, certainly the idea that if us, talking about something which could be a negative scenario creates it you know this isn't true you know th there are people out there that are going to practice and create negative scenarios whether we want to believe in it or not you know there are one thing people don't understand is there are so there are certain beings on this planet that don't share the kind of empathy that we have that don't share in love and and trying to expand and, and raise consciousness no they're manipulators and they're specifically here for that purpose and they're going to do their thing and if we, regardless of whether we focus on it. And so those people could be the ones that are, I mean, if you look at these people at these gatherings, you know, these great reset gatherings, I mean, they're, they're, you got to say, I mean, they're crazy things, man. <laughs> they're, they're superficial. You know, they're not talking about the stuff that you and I are talking about right now. They're not talking about the deeper implications of things there. It's, it's all very, very superficial. And, and they have an obligation if they were really caring about humanity. They would have an obligation to hit the mainstream and start to educate us about the coming future. And that's, you know, let's just say, say that it's inevitable that we end up in an artificial intelligence dominated planet. If you listen to Jordy Rose talk about the quantum, the D wave quantum computers that he was building back over 12, 13 years ago, or even longer. And, you know, he was coming out 10 years ago describing the coming change to society as a tsunami something that is going to shock us like a tsunami would physically and it, it's going to be something which you know we'd have to prepare for and he likens it to the experience of a alien some aliens reached out and called us from 50 million light years away and said hey dudes we're coming to earth we're gonna land you know in, in 30 years <laughs> can you guys get ready so that when we land everyone isn't going to drop over and drop dead out of shock and now it's a day before they arrive, you know, and have we been told? No, we haven't been told. Nobody's telling us about this stuff. Nobody's telling us about the real implications. And we hear Yuval Harari talk at the World Economic Forum about the useless class, which is, you know, we've heard that word useless eaters before. Mm. This is kind of a milder form of it, I guess, useless class, which is saying is that the technology and artificial intelligence is going to rise so quickly and so and become so prevalent that even people that have normal jobs that you know maybe get a new job and retrain themselves are even still not going to be able to keep up because after a couple of years even the job they retrain from is going to be obsolete you know it's so we're going to become useless in the sense that what are we going to do 
right? We've got no jobs that they can't do better. You know, they don't need us for the money because the job robots are doing all the work and they're getting the money from it. So, you know, we don't have the jobs, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Sit at home, watch television all day? I mean, what's the point? What is our purpose? What is the purpose of humans? You know, so who's talking about that? It kind of goes along to what Elon Musk was saying about like, like you were saying with the jobs and artificial intelligence and so on, that it probably comes down to, they mentioned the basic income salary, you know, where everybody has a basic income because, because of what you're yeah. saying, no jobs, no, nothing like that. Now I wanted to circle back to those, those dates, whether it's 2022 or 2030 or, or even 2016, you mentioned, do you think that was part of not like evolution, but also just part of the awakening of humanity because when 2016 happened, you know, a lot of people started awakening on both sides because there was a change in uh, the political system. And I want to reference Dolores Cannon when she was talking under hypnosis, uh, one of her clients said that one of the first systems that need to fall is your political system needs to fall because it's corrupt and uh, too many people at power just have abusive power right now. So do you think when they were talking about 2016 and 2022, because there's about to be another change as well, you think that has anything to do with it? Well, I mean, I think that the, the date of 2012 and the whole idea that there's this, you know, influx of frequency and, and cosmic uh, radiation coming at us has more to do with, with anything than dates. Um, okay. I think the dates are interesting from the perspective of what the looking glass data showed. Those were specific years in which a, a branch off was seen in the actual time lines. And I've seen this kind of work and I covered it. I, I've like, I've created a kind of a webinar that dives deep into this whole thing. It's like six hours of like, I heard, I heard science <laughs> behind it and all that stuff. And, and, you know, there's part of that you see, I'll show you like some of the research done in Russia on timelines. And so timeline splits happen and they happen, you know, and, and, and they, because we're essentially we're on a consensus timeline. All of us have agreed to come here right now on this consensus. And we have the option through our, the way we resonate with that consensus timeline to affect it. We can either be drawn to it or we can create another kind of resonance. And, you know, with, if, if, and it's even better if more of us together create that unified resonance that begins to pull energy away from the consensus timeline and start to create, you know, a new kind of consensus timeline. This kind of stuff is, is what's actually going to choose whether or not we make the evolution. Yes, we need, need, need uh, we do need a political, we need a, um, we need to look at the political system honestly, because, you know, what we have is we have really just, you know, um, corporations and, you know, kind of like mini dictatorships running and dictating agendas and policy on the planet based on the will and you know desires of very very few people and we have a vast uh, you know and um, um entertainment complex which has been designed to lull us into a version of seeing reality according to those that are pulling the strings on where they want us to go that are also tuned into that timeline that they're moving us award toward and, and, and then we have the whole rewriting of history element too. We've, you know, we've all heard of fake news. 
And, uh, you know, because people are waking up, you know, more and more now and the, every year that passes, people are, you know, COVID probably was, you know, the thing that shook people the most out of anything. I know most people yeah. say it's Trump, but I just think that was part of a ramp, you know, um, and the COVID thing was much more dynamic than any of this because that was like really pushing it to the point of like the last barrier of entry is your skin <laughs> and your freedom to choose what you want to have put inside of your body. And Correct. so, you know, um, so we began to look at things like fake news, but, I, you know, by extension, you know, I can make a good case for you that uh, that most of history is completely fake. And, uh, and and so, you know, most people, even people that are awakened, they go back to, you know, to, to re reference certain events in history as examples of where there was a bad civilization. And I'm telling I can show you that even what they think is has been manipulated, you know, that, uh, you know, so if, if you're basing your future and your direction on information that's been manipulated then you know you're just again you're taking away your own energy instead of seeing what the illusion is and letting it and just seeing it for what it is and letting it crumble you're still going to be carrying that baggage around you're still going to be thinking the same you're going to be projecting the same negative cycle and loops that were injected into those fake history timelines you're going to inject them into your future timeline because those are patterns you know we need to see the patterns and we need to break those patterns or we're going to be stuck in the pattern we're going to carry that pattern with us to wherever we go into the future so you know what i think what dolores cannon is getting at here is you know yes the uh the demo the you know democracy okay which you know plato even already warned us that democracy is the worst form of government there is but you know the idea of like that the majority of people choose their destiny of course that's a great idea in principle and it would be great but you know people the problem is people have been like i said they've been miseducated they've been falsely educated their their basis of judgment from which to make decisions to make even to vote on a subject is completely off so you have to get you have to get to a certain maturity level intellectually, emotionally, and also to see through the garbage before you're even able to make a proper decision about what government form is actually the one to move into. I mean, ultimately, the ultimate form of government, they call it is anarchy, which is simply there's no government. You know why? Because people are evolved enough to go, OK, well, we don't need government anymore. And they talk about those extraterrestrial civilizations or the inner earth civilizations where there's no government. Well, they seem to have manifested that, let's say you know if they're real mm -hmm. um and, and so you know but that is up to us we have the responsibility of seeing and recognizing who we are we had people like jesus here you know that were telling us like i am a son of god and the roman catholic church and the king james bible current converted into i am the son of god you know big difference right so um if you're a son of god or the son of god so we've you know pedestalized you know jesus to the point where he's on a throne unattainable Instead of realizing that, hey, he was there to point the way, he was just 2,000 years ahead of us, all of us waking up now. And so if we put him on a pedestal, we're going to give away our power and go, instead of going, wait, wait a minute. He was there showing us what we're all capable of doing. So let's just do it, all right? And uh, so that's what we need to actually be doing is recognizing who we are. And part of that whole process is to see through all this garbage and drop it you know and that's what i thought the guardians of the looking glass were were good at, at provoking they really kind of put the garbage out there in our face to have to confront it so i think right. it a very i look at it as completely the opposite as most people i see it as a positive thing because we look at it's looking at something as a positive thing it's not a negative that's like being honest with yourself if you're if you want to be a guitar player 
you know, and you know, you think you're going to be good. And then one day you meet someone who's really good and you realize, okay, I'm not going to be a guitar player. Nothing wrong with that. You can just be honest to yourself and forget the guitar and move on. <laughs> so, you know, this is what I'm getting at. Now in those videos, did they go into specifics of like what to do and what we need to do for the positive uh, timeline? Or did they- Well, what they were talking like about was, Yeah, it was sharing the information and talking about it. Simple as that. Get it out there. Talk about these specific events. They were showing us specific, in the early videos, they showed us specific false flag events that were going to happen or that had been planned, let's just say. And then we had an option to, you know, just ignore it. And, you know, in which case it's likely that it could have gone down or we could have started talking about it with many, many people. And then the probabilities of it happening would go down because like I said earlier, that analogy with the spoiled surprise birthday party, they just can't do it then if too many people are looking uh, and then they have to readjust their plan. As soon as they readjust their plan, they're changing the probabilities of their timeline. Suddenly they have to work more. They have to work harder now because we've kiboshed their plan. So yeah, they've been set back. So plan B for them, right? And plan B, you know, may not work. And then if plan B doesn't work, it's plan C. So they gave us a couple of plans. One of them was uh, this false flag attack in New York City, a bombing. Another one was, which was going to lead to like a horrendous whole exchange with Russia, which seemed all too real at the time, because look at what's going on in Russia right now uh, with, with, you know, America. And I mean, it's a de facto war going on right now already. It's already a proxy war happening in Russia. We just don't, I mean, right. in Ukraine, we just don't, you know, we're just not calling it out yet for what it is. Correct. And then they, the other event was... There was a there was a particular Dr. Winston Wu. He was a quantum physicist, a crypto, you know, scientist, and he was figuring out a way to hack the crypto system before it goes down and generate lots of money so that we could take that money and inject it into, you know, working on the ground at, you know, you could say, you know, funding like a political party or putting money into technology that, you know, to new technologies like free energy technologies and all these things. Like the, one of the things that's holding us back a lot of times is we don't have the money. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've got lots of ideas that you'd love to have happen, but, you know, you got a you <laughs> day, day job, right? And I got a job too, you know, and we all have jobs, so we can't just be focused on this stuff full time. But these other people, you know, mm -hmm. these, these, uh, you know, these Klaus Schwab gang people, they've got all the money they need. They've, money isn't an issue. So, you know, th this guy was going to try to level the playing field. So it was a great idealistic idea and they were going to try and kill him. And then they killed, they tried to kill him on a certain date. That date came and went and there were some interesting communications. And then about, I don't know, I think uh, 10 or 14, 15 days later, it went down and he went black. And there was a final message that the military was surrounding his compound and that was the end of it. And he's disappeared. And then, of course, people freaked out and said, oh, it was us, a crypto scam, blah, blah, blah. But the Guardians have continually resurfaced. So they've, you know, they've come back now with a couple of more videos since then. Um, and they're indicating that there's there's more events coming. There's more things, information dumps, data dumps that they're going to be sharing with us. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how things are evolving. And with you being a filmmaker, I already saw two of your videos so far. So I saw Packing for Mars and I saw your other video that you made with Secret World, anything with Atlantis, Lemuria, Crystal Skulls caught my attention. So I heard and watched that one out, got that out the way. Do you, I know you're a busy individual and I know in your interview, you, things are moving so much faster. Do you plan on making a video as well about this subject, about this? 
Well, for me, the video was the webinar because I realized okay. making a film takes too long, and mm -hmm. uh, this was the solution. And in fact, you know, it's it's actually probably better than a film because it's really like a full six hours of like deep dive, and I cover stuff that it just you know. I mean, it's mind blowing because going back into the material really opened up a lot of things for me. Things like it made I made some connections to things that I had found out about during the packing uh, for Mars filming days, which I had, you know, which were kind of they ended up not being put into the film, and they were just sort of sitting out there. And then going back now, I realized that some of the interviews that I'd made and and some of the people that we talked to were saying things about exactly what's happening relative to the looking glass material the looking glass guardians released and to what the whole looking glass history was all about it goes back a long time it goes right back to the 50s you know and 60s and and the j-rods wow. and the whole chapter of you know uh, of these crashes that began happening with roswell it gives the whole thing a far more it ties it all together i mean it's just i've never had anything that has tied so many things together like this is wraps it all up and it makes total sense to me now there might be other ETs out there, you know, we've heard about them. You know, but for the most part, a lot of those, you know, are people's stories. You know, they they've never actually produced like on a talk show, oh yeah, here's my Arcturian buddy, come on in and sit down, let's talk about Arcturus. You know, no, they haven't. They've just channeled it or claimed, mm -hmm. you know, to be in touch or said they were walk-ins or whatever. I mean, and this might be true, you know. I mean, it could very well be true. But there's no real hard evidence of any of it. And so this was the first time that I actually had connected the dots that actually had hard evidence because there were documents that had surfaced that had been legitimized by forensics um, and analysts that described this chapter of the looking glass that led to the looking glass. And when you put all those dots together like this, it's clear what's going on. And you, I, Linda Moulton Howe, her part fits in too, the whole abductions, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, that this whole program that's been happening for the last, you know, well, okay, you could, she says it's been happening millions of years, maybe, but this particular cycle has to do with what's happening in the cosmos coming up on us in 20, you know, we don't know the exact, I hate putting dates on stuff, <laughs> you know, 2030, you yeah, maybe, but it's inevitable because I actually go into the whole um, science of catastrophism. And we, and we go into the world, the work of Charles Hapgood, and we, we realized that there was a time in the 50s and 60s where this information was highly being, was highly discussed, you know, Velikovsky, they were, these were all people that were taken seriously about, you know, cosmic eruptions and changes in the, in the solar system and planetary alignment changes and everything, all this stuff has a basis in reality. And it was well documented. People like, you know, Admiral Byrd went down to Antarctica and brought back evidence of polar shifts and things like that, that happened in cycles. And then along came, you know, a, a CIA operative posing as a geologist and wrote a phony baloney, you know, cataclysm uh, book. And Einstein wrote the foreword and it was quickly debunked. And that was the end of that whole thing. And it went and his other manuscript, which was the real one, was classified by the CIA. So you end up with none of that happening. We don't talk about it mm, anymore. That's interesting. Right? And so all of this comes up again when you look back at the whole looking glass history, which we all, I cover all of that in that webinar. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of material. <laughs> it's just, but it's interesting because <laughs> it gives you the full picture. Of, it gives you a, a clearer picture of reality. And all that information that you mentioned is inside the webinar that you mentioned? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if someone's interested in the webinar, how can they access it? Yeah, they should just go to my, uh, I have a website called cyberhive.tv. 
Okay. You can put a link to the new thing, cyberhive.tv. And then yeah. there you'll see like, they'll see, there'll be a webinar at the top. Or you can just go to my website, frankjacob.com. And there's links to the CyberHive website there too. But right. it's hosted on the CyberHive website and you can, you can join up there. And there's a community you can sign up for a newsletter if you just want to do that. And you can get into the discussion there. It's kind of a new platform I've created as a result to open my big mouth when I did my first interview with John Nolan about a webinar and then I actually had to do it because like hundreds of people wrote me and said, Oh yeah, we want to do a webinar. <laughs> so like I had to do it. So I did it. It was painful. It took a month, but yes, but yes. It, you know, I never could have made a film in a month, but I, I made a pretty amazing webinar in a month. I will check it out. Any links that we talk about will be in the description below to make it easier for everybody. And I look forward to checking it out as well. Uh, you mentioned J-Rods. Can you go into that briefly in case someone doesn't know what that is? Sure. The, the J-Rods are, are the name given to particular extraterrestrials, which they were captured in the beginnings. Like starting in 1947, we heard of, we've heard we all heard of the Roswell crash. Well, there was many other crashes up to about, I think in total, seven different crafts were captured. And within some of these crafts, survivors were captured. And those survivors, you know, they thought they were extraterrestrials meaning, you know, aliens. But as it turned out, the the J-Rods that they were capturing um, were saying something very confusing to them, and that was that they were time travelers who had come back in time to this particular point of time because this was when the timeline split. Interesting coincidence, right? Mm. Timeline split. And what happened last time around was there was a catastrophic split and the catastrophe set in. And the catastrophe pushed us underground, pushed us, you know, it crashed civilization. And tens of thousands of years later, a faction of these extra uh, humans left the planet, went to the moon, they went to Mars, they went on to Reticulin. And so what happened is that, you know, these particular, and they called, they had names for them. They had classifications for them. They were a particular group of future humans that were called P-45s meaning that they were from 45,000 years in the future. But there were also a second group of future humans that were 7,000 years their ancestors, or sorry, their descendants. They were called P-52s, P from P-52,000 years in the future. And the P-52s had somehow developed kind of an empathy, and they knew, they all knew that this particular moment in their history was when the timeline split that led to the P-45s. And the P-45s look like those little gray aliens with the buggy eyes and they're short. You know, what they are, what you're looking at there is humans that have mutated through, you know, century, tens, thousands of you know, centuries of mutation that led to the developing a horizontal evolution, shrinking in size, you know, the eyes changing, the mouths, everything changing, telep telepathic abilities developing. And so the P-45s, however, were considered the rogue element of the J-Rods because they were here to ensure they liked it the way they it was. They were happy with their timeline that they ended up on. And they were here actually just to, to harvest genetic material for them to take back to their timeline and fix some of the genetic mutations, which mm -hmm. they'd been suffering from. They didn't want to change anything. And these are the descendants of the Illuminati as, as it's described. And uh, they're the second gr group, the P-52s were the empathic, compassionate ones. And they were here to try and awaken us to the reality that there's a split coming, that there's this cataclysmic, cataclysmic event happening, and that we can do something to affect it with our consciousness. 
Now, science out there now and, you know, has really starting to prove the fact that we actually can, like, not just passively get, you know, energized from the cosmos, but that we can, it's actually a two-way street, that we are actually connected to the cosmos as well. And through our realization of that, we can begin an interplay with the cosmos so that there is a chance that when this potential pole shift comes, that it won't cause the planet to shift, it won't cause the actual disruption of society, and that it'll actually potentially cause this evolutionary jump. And they actually describe it in the documentation, which they which they eventually, over the decades of communication with the the group of the the, the group of people that they were talking to, many people might know what they might recognize this name. They were called Majestic. And Majestic had many jobs, you know, and, you know, most of it had to do with covering up alien technology and all this stuff, secret projects, black ops, etc. So one of their Majestic tasks, 12? Majestic 12, exactly. Okay. So one of the tasks was to basically explore this J-Rod thing. And in the course of their dialogues with the J-Rods, they uncovered all this information. They uncovered the information about the sentient nature of human beings, the ability of us to transcend uh, certain levels of consciousness and actually activate ourselves in, in, in tandem with the universe. They documented this stuff decades ago. And what's cool is you look at this document, you know, that was written like over 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and it's got language in it, which does not fit in, the, in, in that time period at all. Because I was around in that time, I was into consciousness stuff, but nobody was talking about this stuff and nobody would have understood it if we were talking about it. It's only has, it only has, you know, came about in the last like, 10 years or so that we began to think about the cosmos and the radiation and the cosmic events and, and that it could affect consciousness and stuff. And I mean, our film solar revolution is still like the film, the defining film on that whole subject. And it's over 10 years old already. That shows you how little is being talked about it. And that film is just right now as it always been. Yeah. You got to check it out. It's that like, would be my next film. I'm going to check out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's so much in that film. I mean, one of the guys in that film, Michael Persinger, he's just a genius. Unfortunately, he left the planet you know, a couple of years mm. back, but he was one of the guys that was involved in developing, not only exploring technology that had to do with consciousness and brain waves and, you know, uh, microcurrents and how they affect us. He created something called the God Helmet. You could do Google that and check out some of the work he did. But he also, you know, was a pioneer in showing us that, you know, that that um, basically the, the people that are in charge of all these science projects, these black ops projects, discovered quite a while back that they can affect each one of our brains through radiation from satellites and from orbiting technology all around the planet. They can do mind control experiments with us. And, you know, they have been doing mind control experiments on us. So, you know, once you know all this stuff, it helps you because you can help to decipher. You can begin to break through this distortion I was talking about earlier. Just the historical distortion, you know, all the stuff that you've, you know, you thought was true. You know, you, you can begin to question that stuff in a healthy way and, and find ways to, you know, to tune into what's truthful. Yeah. Interesting. Man, you got so much knowledge. Woo, you just <laughs> wealth of knowledge. Well, that's been about 30 years. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm so glad you came on and I'm so, so glad to meet you and talk to you. For the J-Rods, and, and you mentioned the Grays as well, and I want to uh, reference Sarah's work, Sarah Grisman Cosme. So, and I've heard it from other individuals as well when they talk about the Grays, how the Grays say they're us in the future. And when I and what Sarah discovered, true, they're us in the future, but technically they look like 
we look like them in their past. So yeah, exactly right. A million years ago or so, we look we're humans, and then they they left their planet for whatever reason because of some kind of uh, destruction that they had. They had to leave their planet, and those humans at that time stayed in space and they started working on uh how to replace their limbs bioengineering how to live longer and they bypassed everything they could live for thousands and thousands of years and so they so the question was well why do they look the way they look and, and it was a simple response and it said well you will look like a great too if you lived in space for a million years and i was like that was very interesting. That was kind of like an aha moment. So Good answer, exactly. And that's kind of what the J-Rods describe it, the P-45s and 52s. Okay. You know, they were subjected to radiation, you know, space radiation, and they were traveling into space, vast distances. They they exposed themselves to that stuff and it mutated them. It caused, in fact, you know, Jan Burish, who was one of the key principal, um, you know, main characters in the whole story of the Looking Glass was working with the J-Rod to deal with neuropathy, which was something that had, you know, it was a problem. They had a skin problem and, uh, a, you know, a glandular problem that had developed as a result of this exposure that they were actually trying to help them to alleviate. And they, mm. you know, and, and of course they were, you know, pretty poor because they were kept in captivity. And in the end, Dan Burish helped the J-Rod return to his time and his people. He pushed him into the Stargate. And because, uh, you know, they kept them like, I mean, they made them, they didn't give them, they didn't allow them to wear clothes. Some of those details are really kind of tragic, you know, what they put them through. Um, because the P-52s really did really want to help us. And what's interesting, another faction comes out is that you realize that there's another group that neither the P-45s or P-52s knew about. And those were the P-52 Orions. And the Orions are, they're like the Nordics. They look like the Nordics. They're tall. They have whitish hair. They have big blue eyes. And they're us. They were the spiritual side of humanity when the catastrophe happened. And they went under and they survived, but they went to Orion. And they had a different future. I mean, their future. But they were also back here because they all had access to this looking glass technology, which is what they used to travel with, to time travel. And, you know, this is what they're doing at CERN. You know, they're doing, they're, they're using the technology that they gained from these crash disks that they got in the 40s, and they've, um, they've ramped them up to the size of CERN. So, I mean, I've just been getting some very new information about what's really going on at CERN from some of the science uh, leads that I have, some scientists over here that are connected to whistleblowers and people that are on the inside that know information about CERN that nobody knows about. And you realize that CERN is, you know, this is like a, a huge portal, like a huge stargate, uh, an artificial stargate that they're playing with. So um, they can travel and they have traveled and they will travel, you know. And so, yeah, and the, the only question is who's in charge of the technology, right? And the last time, you know, the last time, obviously, it didn't go so well for us because they're back here. And the Orions came back. Because they're saying, you know, you know, they actually gave the humans a gift, which was called the Orion Cube. And, the, and it was supposed to be intended for them to help avert potential disasters in the future. And it was supposed to be shared with all of humanity. But what happened is, as usual, you know, a certain faction in the government absconded with the technology, took it underground, ended up being used only for military black ops projects. And then we never saw the light of day. 
the story is that the uh, you know that there's this international committee out there in the world that that superseded the Majestic Twelve, and they began working with the Cube, and they disassembled it because of the Stargates and all this other stuff. It's another story, but um, but it's interesting because the Orions were essentially the more evolved form of all of you know the the, the J Rods that were back here, and and they really like are here to kind of and they actually enforced a treaty on both the P-45s and the P-52s. And the P-45s being the rogues that they are, reluctantly went along with the treaty, but are constantly breaking the treaty or not listening or adhering to it. And of course, there are certain factions of humans that are that are enticed away by the, you know, the lure of super, you know, incredible technology and, uh, you know, age, um, you know, extension and all these other things that allied with the rogue j-rods that are you know not ad not adhering to the treaty and those are the people that have you know mm. taken the, in charge of this timeline that we're on because the timeline that we're on right now the consensus timeline is not leading us to a place that is going to become that place where humans are going to realize their ultimate form of existence they're not you know the ultimate form of human existence is not to merge with machines correct you know to stick wires in our brain we don't need that you know, the very fact that you'd have to stick something in your brain, you're already perfect. There are certain elements in our DNA that have not been unlocked yet. There are faculties and, and abilities that we have we haven't even tapped into. You know, so this is the timeline we need to be on. And anybody that's trying to sell us on a transhumanist timeline, they're getting us, they're taking us down a timeline that's going to be the extinction, extinction of us. So, and, and you cannot tell me that you can go and look anywhere on the planet where the transhumanist timeline is not peaking. You know, and, and COVID is like another example of how they, you know, people, they showed people would, would, would listen to anything that they're told to do. They will even allow a government entity to violate, you know, their own personal boundaries and force them to inject, you know, um, let's just say, what do we say to be safe here? An experimental, you know, <laughs> vaccine flavors into their bodies. <laughs> so, you know. Who does that, right? They always quote, you know, oh, um, yeah, Nuremberg, you know, the code, Nuremberg code, you know, Nuremberg was a joke. Yeah, I mean, really, but that's another subject. Yeah, they never cared about Nuremberg. They never meant it. It was, you know, it had a whole different purpose, which has to do with this whole fake history thing I talked about before. Right. That's why nobody, nobody adheres to the Nuremberg Codec. It's a joke. And doctors that think it's, you know, it's like, forget it, man. <laughs> the answers are elsewhere. Yeah, the answers are very sobering and the answers, but they require us to wake up and stop being kids and talk about all these things like adults and look at the hard facts. And and like, I mean, look, there, there's been free energy de technologies developed in the 19. Well, how far do I want to go back? 1931, Nikola Tesla had a car, you know, that drove on magnetic energy resonance from the environment. No yes. motor, yeah. right? Articles about that. 1954, Friedrich Lüling, German guy, had a magnetic motor, perfectly patented, he had already had building plans to put it in production for cars, for motors. Mm -hmm. Next year came, they took it off the market. 1989, Audi had a diesel motor that drove 4,000 kilometers on one tank of gas. Next year, they were going to go into production. Never saw that one come out. Uh, who did we got? Otis T. Carr, right? Ralph Ring. Those guys developed technology that, you know, in the 1950s in the United States, actually Otis T. Carr was a protege of Nikola Tesla, and he developed, you know, flying saucer technology. We could wow. have had a totally different reality right now. And hey, 
our politicians should be looking at this going, wow, man, like all we hear about is, you know, Greta Thunberg clobbering us on the, over the head, like carbon, carbon, you know, we're sinners, right? Well, hey, man, the solutions have been out there for over a hundred years. Absolutely. So let's, uh, why don't we take the 10 top promising technologies that existed and Elon Musk, instead of, you know, paying 44 million for Twitter, why don't you take maybe four, you know, 44 billion, sorry. Why don't you take four <laughs> billion of that, just 10% of that and create a campus for free energy development. And I guarantee you in two years, we'd have working prototypes. And that would be the end of the banking system, which is based on the oil system. Mm -hmm. It would be the end of the oil system as we need it. You know, we don't need all that oil anymore. We can use oil for lubricants, but we don't need to use it for burning our, you know, fossil fuels. It'd all be finished over. Right. Why isn't it happening? Right. Because the cabal that everyone thinks left the planet and got kicked off because the evil people have been left and the Dracos are gone is still very much here, very solid, totally in control. And they're driving us down their transhumanist timeline if we don't wake up. You mentioned electric vehicles. The best story that comes to mind for me is in the 80s, I got what car manufacturer produced all these electrical cars in the 80s. There was thousands of them and big oil bought the patents to it. And when they bought the company and the patents for it, yeah. all those thousands of cars that were produced went into the landfill. Just we have gone. Just, water cars. Yeah. Water cars. You know, forget hydrogen. You don't need it. <laughs> hydrogen is useless anyway. You have to store it in pressurized tanks. Yeah. And just the energy to put hydrogen into a tank and keep it there is not even worth it. <laughs> so hydrogen's a misleader. If someone's trying to sell you in hydrogen, forget it. They're just false news, fake news. No, there's other stuff. Magnets, water. You don't need lithium. Lithium's going to run out. In Germany, you know, one of the major manufacturers, car manufacturers in Germany has just bailed out of electric. Why? Because they've seen the writing on the wall. Lithium's going to run out in a few years. Wow. You know, what are we going to do without lithium? And anyone, you know, anyone will, uh, will tell you that if you try to drive one of those electric cars in, in the mountains of Colorado, you're not going to get very far in the middle of the winter. It kind of reminds me of a story that we were talking about uh, with QHHT sessions. And it dealt with, we had this energy that surrounded us that we ha we don't know the potential that it is around us. Kind of like going back to Nikola Tesla from what it sounded like. And it was kind of like kinetic and potential energy and universal energy that we don't even tap into that is there and we just leave it there and, and we don't even access it and here we are you know fighting for oil fighting for resources when there's so much potential around us and you mentioned the government part as well and that was another thing that they talked about how whether it's the ets or our higher beings will will trade technology with our government and then they'll hold on to that technology and you mentioned the Orion Cube is was that project Looking Glass? Is that what that project no, was for? Exactly, it's not exactly, but it's it's related. It's also time manipulation technology or time viewing technology. Let's say. Okay. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question: Do you have an idea where that technology came from, by any chance? It also came from the uh, well. The Orion Cube came from the Orion P, the 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 P fifty two Orions. Okay. The future humans brought that to us. In the looking glass was at the present. Okay. And the looking glass technology came from, well, I mean, there's there's several versions of looking glass technology out there. There's the versions that came aboard the ships that the that the J rods were flying that came okay. back in time. They used it to be able to manipulate mm -hmm. time space to appear here, you know, just before this event which is coming and to begin 
doing their what they were here to do before the event happens. And there also is, you know, there was looking glass technology, building plans for looking glass devices were found in Sumerian canisters, sealed canisters, which which go mm. back to, which they say, you know, go back to the Sumerian culture, but aren't necessarily from that culture, but they were brought to that culture. And they were discovered in the Middle East, you know, and there are people that believe that the whole Iraq war with Saddam was all based around the looking glass, getting their hold of the looking glass technology. Like a Stargate and other, too. And other Stargate technology. Okay. And, you know, it may be. I didn't go down that road because I think there's, I mean, it's, you don't need to because there's still mm -hmm. enough information that they've been using it. They have been using it in Abu Dhabi and they have been using the larger versions of it. And they have even shown us what it looks like, you know, when you watch that movie Contact. Oh, I like that of, movie. Yeah, it's like that's that's kind of that's that's showing us what looking glass technology, how it operates. It's it's soft disclosure, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. Hollywood has always been about in the last decade since the 50s. You know, it's been about soft disclosure, getting us to understand, you know, they're trying to accustom acclimatize us to where they want us to and, until the day that they make certain announcements to us that they think we're ready for. We've been trained, we've been conditioned. And now, you know, now's the time that they can come out with mm -hmm. it. And, uh, but I think that there's been an evolution in Hollywood itself to the point where I no longer see Hollywood on the silver screen. I see Hollywood all around me. And I think it's jumped off the screen and it's ended up in politics and um, the world around us. It's all just, you know, gotcha. Hollywood, man. Gotcha. The people, you know, and, and COVID made that very clear for, I mean, for most of us, but, you know, because you realize that there are, there are things that, there, that you just realize it's just impossible for 193 countries in the world to go lockstep in three weeks time and deliver the same message, the same information, even the same numbers of COVID cases and, you know, and the same panic line, all of them in their different languages all over the world, right? Uh, so it just shows you that from that point forward, at the latest, from that point forward, it, was, it became clear to everybody that they're reading a script. That those people you see on the on the news at night, they're just reading a script. You oh know? yeah, and word they, for word. Their their system. Well, I, I won't use the bad word here, but they're system junkies. <laughs> they're system <laughs> slaves. You know, and because any journalist out there now. If you really want to be a journalist, you know, you have you have the same obligation that I have that you have, and that is to try and help humanity along, you know, in, in any way that you can. And if you're in the field of journalism, then it's about writing truth. Correct. And the minute the, the minute you're in journalism and you're told by your editor to manipulate your story and change the facts to, to be something which is misrepresentative, you have only one obligation, that is to leave that job right on the spot and say, speaking to the microphone editor and if every single journalist in the world did that guess what there'd be no fake news out there but the problem is they're all system slaves they all want their job and their money and whatever it is they all get themselves in, indebted at the journalism school they all have reasons that they use you know oh, i had to do this and i got to do that but the fact is this has evolved into a culture of system slave journalism so all the stuff you see out there it's just hollywood man it's a more mm -hmm. sophisticated form of hollywood just the actors are a little uglier you know, when you say all that stuff, it reminds me when I interviewed uh, Geraldine on, on one of the episodes and I remember her her session, she was talking about how whether it's Hollywood politics and all that, it's many, many tentacles 
just branched out into every aspect, just so many tentacles that is just, I think she used the word lurching <laughs> or not sucking, but lurching into every segment that you see in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't even realize. Yeah. So when you talk about all that for guardians of the looking glass, which I thought was pretty cool because I have a series called guardians of magic. That's kind of like my sci-fi action story that I have. And I always thought that was interesting that the word guardians is coming up again. I think in one of the videos you mentioned that you have communication with these individuals. Is it just on a message board or? No, I, I actually wrote them an email. Okay. And so you are in community. Do they say who they are or? Well, no, they just wrote back and they said, you know, thanks for writing. And, you know, and, uh, and then I asked them a couple of questions. I asked them about Bill Wood, by the way. Oh, was he it good? A shill. <laughs> a shill? 50, 50, 50, true, 50 false. One of those guys. So gotcha. it confirmed my thought. It confirmed my gut feeling. And you mentioned, talked about Bill Will Wood, but wasn't there another individual as well that dealt with Dan it? Dan Burrish. Yeah, Dan Burrish. And what he had to say about it, very similar stuff or a different point of view? Well, no, different. I mean, Dan Burish was actually far more intricately involved in Looking Glass than Bill Wood ever was. Okay. And uh, at least according to Bill, at least according to Bill Ryan. I mean, I talked to Bill Ryan after I broke the story and, you know, Bill was on my ass because I didn't get some of the details correct. And so I said, okay, well, fill me in, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I just kind of put it out. We've got to get to business here, right? So I went back and... I fixed, you know, all the holes and I figured out where I went wrong and what was right and what isn't right. And Dan Burrish plays a big, big role in the whole thing. In fact, he was, you know, one of the main guys that actually discovered the looking glass with the, with the fact that he was, as a biochemist, he was involved directly with the J-Rod who was communicating with him telepathically, giving him all this information. So, and even, he even got to the point where he helped negotiate some of the Tau Nine Treaty that I was mentioning earlier that the Orions were forcing on the, the J-Rods and the humans. Yeah. So he, you know, he's interesting because, you know, he really, you know, he, there's hours of him talking about his experience with the J-Rod and his experience with the looking okay. glass. And you talk uh, about him in your webinar? Yeah, absolutely. Deeply. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll check it out. Which leads me to my question. I know at one time the dark or the negative individuals were using project looking glass do they still have access to the project looking glass or or something similar to it well you mean the people that were working on looking glass and previously in the in the 90s yeah those guys or if they're just moved on to something else to a different type of technology. no 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 they haven't moved on no uh, they <laughs> what they did what happened is that they realized that because of the, our location the way our planet is located right now in the, in the galaxy we are at a, we are near the equatorial plateau and we are exposed to uh, like where there's this has to do with stargates you know stargates are like micro you might think of them as little micro black holes or ma micro wormholes okay and they're they are portals they're they're and they're naturally occurring they occur in space and they occur also on the surface of the planet and they also occur inside of and under the surface of the planet and apparently certain of the j rods set up artificial stargates which are more volatile than the natural ones. Naturally, of course, natural stargates are gonna be more prone to interact with the natural cosmos in a natural way. Whereas the artificial stargates were stressing everything. And it was because of the unnatural artificial stargates that the catastrophe that, the P, that led to the P45s took place. So they were back here to try and close the natural 
uh, sorry, the artificial stargates before we got to this critical point. And so, you know, being that we're still here after 2012 came and went and we're now in 2022, I'm assuming that they closed them down. But uh, Burrish also said that they were, you know, just closing them down for a time. Mm. And then afterward, they were going to open them back up again, or they were going to continue their work with the looking glass artifact. Now, I was mentioning CERN, you know, and CERN is basically, you could say, a giant, you know, a huge, mega-sized looking glass, if you will. And, you know, Mm. what they're doing there is they've just ramped it up. I don't know if you caught much of that, you know, and there's, they just had a, a release here. I'll show you that. Maybe I'll just put this up on the screen. This is just a release on the 22nd, the 20th of June. It's a historic week for particle physics. It's the big bang day. Oh <laughs> man. And it's on July June 4th 20. of all times, right? Wow. So they're going to be firing up this baby. I mean, they've already been firing it up, but they're going to fire it up on, on the 3rd and 4th of July at, up to its maximum. What they, They've refurbished everything and they and they brought the um, voltage up to from used to be between five and six tera electron volts. They brought it up to 12 to 14 tera electron volts. Now, a tera electron volt is one trillion electron volts. There's never been this much energy focused on one place on the planet in, a, in its entire history. Maybe Atlantis. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you you must you must be reading my mind. All right. So what I want to get into has any of your work or any of your research dealt with CERN, where they talked about they were dealing with uh, dark matter or antimatter by any chance? It, well, you know, I remember reading. Yeah, I, I mean, years ago I was reading about how they were using the they were starting to open these these like they were using CERN to create micro black holes to to get into other dimensions. Now, Jordi Rose talks a little bit about that when he's talking about how quantum computers are going to be used or are already being used to assist in solving problems between parallel universes. You know, the only explanation for that is, as far as I understand, is that they were using these quantum computers at CERN and and they were connecting into these other dimensions. And like anything that you open, like if you have a sink and you it's full of water and you pull the plug what happens right the water starts to go down mm-hmm. and it goes down the water disappears into the hole does anything come out air, air. <laughs> fumes so think think of air being sort of a natural law that when something goes in something has to come out so whatever they they created this vortex at cern they actually were sucking yeah you could say dark matter or black goo some people call it black goo Okay. Um, I even remember reading that they were storing it at certain universities and that it was creating like really dark vibes wherever it was stored. Now, I never followed up on any of that, but I remember distinctly reading about it. And it doesn't surprise me that they would actually, you know, have they would have discovered dark matter and they would have, you know, pulled it through because something from here has to go to that side and something from that side has to come back. Uh, now, imagine if the size of that hole is the diameter of, of a 27 kilometer circumference. Imagine what they can pull through there. 27 kilometers is about, let's see, what does that work out to? But that's miles, miles, right? 15 miles. Wow, spaceship? Yeah, 15 miles. So 50, think of a 15 mile circle. What is the diameter of a 15 mile circle? That's the size of the actual portal that they're opening there. Is that the size of uh, CERN by any chance? That's the size of CERN. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm. and now they've just revamped it, and you saw the headline: Big Bang Day coming up on the third of July, the fourth of July. Interesting, right? Because it's in Europe. What does that have to do with the fourth of July? But it shows you that you know there is no boundaries. There's no nationhood at a certain level. Well, everyone's popping fireworks. They're going to be. They're going to be popping fireworks that. too, and they're creating they're creating magnetic fields that are so huge, man. <laughs> Oh man, kind of got chills. The reason why, yeah, Jason, I'm telling you, when they when they when they open that up, I mean, the, the reason uh, my 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 uh, biophysicist um, friend Dieter Burris was telling me that uh, the reason that they have the, such huge magnetic fields is because they need to contain the beast. You know, they need to contain it. If mm. they don't have those massive fields, the entire planet could get sucked in. For all we know, who knows? It right. could set up Absolutely. a chain reaction. Like, uh, isn't there a series like that, Stranger Things or something? Or what was that, you know, show that was on? Uh, yeah, no, but there's, there's, stuff there's like a, that definitely stuff. a movie. It's called Black Hole. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they're messing with down there. Wow. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Atlantis and I had a small one you mentioned because I remember a certain session where they talked about dark matter, antimatter. They said, y'all playing around with things as y'all did in the past once before and it destroyed y'all and y'all about to destroy yourselves again like you did in Atlantis days. Now they called it dark matter. We might call it antimatter. So that's why I was bringing up Atlantis. Is there anything you wanted to add to that with the Atlantis part? Well, I mean, it's clear to me that that trajectory is the one that we're on right now. So, I mean, that fits. But I'm just, I still, I'm still trying to, I'm holding out, you know, that I, that because, you know, John Nolan and I like set off this massive conversation about timelines and potential futures that we can actually avert it and that we can right. actually. My and that was part of the, uh, the session where they were talking about that they're here to warn us to stop all that, not to right, deal with exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, so, I mean, we have to, my hope is that we can manage to avert this trajectory that we can actually realize who we are, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, you know, we've been told by the church forever that it's, it's blasphemy to call ourselves, you know, God or whatever, to put ourselves on the level of Jesus, the son of God. Now, you got to come to the church for all that. You got to come to the church. Right. To the now priest. imagine if we all figured out that, you know, the simplest formula is that, hey man, like just be God and, and take responsibility for who you are, of course. Don't be God in a negative sense. But I mean, you know, in a sense, you, you can really only realize that you are potentially God with a small G, let's just say, if you've, you know, done a certain amount of cleansing of your spirit, of your soul, of your your consciousness. You just, you don't come across these kinds of thoughts if you're if you're busy just playing video games all day and... You know, you're just whatever you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're watching football or baseball or basketball, or just, you can't wait to get home from work and, you know, go out with the buddies and drink and play pool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if that's all you're going to do, then you got coming what it's, what's coming, you know, yes. but there's, but, but if we don't need everybody to wake up. We just need a critical mass of people to, to, to generate the energy to, to Correct. wake up. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Yeah. And, and so, cause I think, you know, it's like the ratio is always going to be much like the power of, of, of light and light oscillating vibrational energy, L-O-V-E or love, as some people like to call it, is far more powerful than hate, you know? Absolutely. Hate is only there to push us. It's only our, our ally to kick us in the butt and say, God, this is not the way to do it. Right. It's like it's there just for us to experience different sides of the polarity. And this question, and I always wanted to pick your brain on this one. And this would be part of the bonus footage because it deals with a certain letter. 
For the bonus footage, please click the link below. That link will take you to a Rumble video. There's a couple of sections that's been cut out, so please look in the link below for the bonus footage. Here's a question. You mentioned the New Earth, and we're talking about these uh, negative individuals and everything. With all this craziness that they're doing and everything, do they believe in a New Earth as well, and in their, they're trying to create their version of a New Earth? Who, the Guardians or the... Uh, the Charles Swabs and... The, oh, the those characters. guys. Yeah, they, they want to go for the transhumanist world. They want to hook up to machines. They want eternal life because they are they don't remember. The basis of all these people's work is science, right? And, and, and by far and large, the majority of science on the planet right now does not believe there's a soul. They do not believe in God or a, a higher form of a creator, whatever you mm. want to call it. They do not believe that we have a spirit or a soul in our bodies. They believe we're an accident. Okay, we're an accident really? of oh, wow. mol yes. They believe we are an accidental collision of molecules and atoms that somehow arranged ourselves to become humans, you know, and then we invented gods. Right? You can go to Yuval Harari's website. It's right there on one of his banners. First we invented uh gods and God, humans will become gods next, you know. So like we're going to become the next gods. That's what they believe. They believe they're going to become gods. And they're going to transplant their brain into a little hard drive and stick it inside some really sexy looking humanoid body that is going to run until they decide to change it for another one. Uh, and they're going to be operating inside their little simulated world and it'll be glorious, right? Because they'll have computing power beyond you can anything you can imagine. And they're going to be in their little simulated world forever and ever and ever thinking that that's reality. But the fact is we are now realizing that human beings live outside of the matrix. We don't live... We're not from the 3D world. We use the 3D world, you know, and time is for us. I mean, Burkhard Heim describes time as a as skipping between dimensions. You know, it's our, we create time. We create it ourselves, you know, so it's all part of our learning process, our evolution on a soul level. But we don't, you know, once we're done with this body, you know, we can either ascend with it. There's people that have taken their body along. And then, you know, and some people say that this event, this cosmic event that's coming will be our our last, you know, we will no longer have to, to leave our bodies and reincarnate. We'll have break, broken that cycle. We will have young bodies because our DNA will restore our bodies to the programming that it's supposed to be, which, you know, we look like in the middle of our lives, like you look now or me. And uh, it'll be that way forever, you know, because we'll, you know, we'll become much more efficient energy converters than we are now um, because we'll have made that connection. You know, the only thing blocking us is we just don't see it right now. So we age. You know, it's a disease. Aging is a kind of disease, you could say. And, um, you know, so we are going to be, uh, we're creator beings. You know, we invent mm -hmm. 3D. We invent the world according to the lessons that our soul decides it needs to learn. And we pull in other souls together with us in a huge soul family, jump onto a consensus timeline together, and we go for it. And when we're done, we leave it. These mm -hmm. guys are going to be stuck in their boxes, however sexy they look forever, <laughs> until they break uh... down. So they're never going to get past 3D. They're never going to always going to wonder, like, what is it about humans that, you know, makes them human, right? There's some factor, X factor, <laughs> that they're never going to be able to get to. It's, it's very interesting. You just made me think of, because this was the next part I was going to make, is that I'm going to go off of Allison Coe. She posted a video and she said, yes, the dark wants us to be more 2D. And... And it sounds like the metaverse from what it sounds like for us to be more 2D and to go deeper. And you talked about the 3D 
that we created the 3D reality for us to experience the 3D. We wanted to go from 5D, 4D to, to 3D. And it seems like, since you mentioned the computer software, that they're going to be in these boxes, their mental state's going to be in these boxes, that it's like they took that message and kept on going like, hey, look, we got to go to 2D and then 1D, see how far we can go deep down. But from what you're saying, you're like, well, wait a minute. If that's the case, you're going to be stuck in 2D and you're never going to evolve because now you're going to be at that 2D level. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's, and it's inevitable. I mean, if, if you think a lot of these things all the way through their logical conclusion, it's only natural in a way that humanity would want to explore digital silicon to its fullest potential. But the, the problem is not that. Mm -hmm. okay. AI has a function. Uh, obviously, you know, if there's extraterrestrials out there, they must have had this point in their evolution too. Yeah, and they're still heard. around, you know. Yes. Uh, so something, you know, it's, it's not AI in itself that seems to be the problem. The problem is that it, it's us and the relationship to AI. And the people developing AI, and you know what their you know what their purposes and intentions are with the AI. And AI will probably only respond or evolve in its own level based on what we are giving on, passing on to it. So if all we're passing on to it is that you know life is an accident, that it's just a bunch of random you know molecules and atoms that crash together and suddenly created AI, then AI. And then, you know, it'll give and give AI as its, as its brain, the database, everything that's been databased, AI can access every database. Well, that means that AI will never be able to think outside of the database. You know, you as a mm. human, you've got a computer, you can access your database and you know, it's cool because you can get the information and save stuff and call stuff back real quick, but you can also function outside of the database because you can... <laughs> You know, you can invent stuff. You can say, you know, I think that looks cool the way that squirrel jumps off the tree and flies. I wonder if I could make a suit and, you know, and, and jump off a cliff and fly through the air like a squirrel at 200 right, miles. Right, it does look like a flying squirrel. <laughs> right. And, you know, it turned into a wingsuit and people are doing it now. An AI would never come across. They would never think of something stupid. Right. They'll probably like say, why would you want to create that? Why would you? It's not logical, right? <laughs> it's interesting. So, you know, there's distinct differences between what it means to be a creator being and what it means to be a super powerful database accessing device, you know, with infinite software capabilities and upgrade abilities within that box. But hey, come on, it's still only a box. Mm, Stuck in the box. Fair. Someone that's steps it. on that box or a truck drives over it, guess what? You're done. Right. Kind of like your own prison forever. Mm, makes you wonder. Human if they were to put their conscious into that box, if something was to happen to it, would they go back to source? Would they go back to another reality? If they went anywhere wirelessly, it would probably be back to another database and another carrier, but they would never supersede the 3D world. Right. They'll They're be stuck never in their own matrix. To, you know, we've had, I did a show called Timeless where we had people on our show that had near-death experiences and they clearly were dead long enough that their bodies should have been dead and brain damaged for the rest of, you know, they should never have even come back alive. But while they were gone, they were fully conscious and they had an experience outside of physical dimensions. And they came back into their body and guess what? Their body followed suit. Where physics would have dictated simply the fact that the 
heart pumping this amount of blood getting into the brain was not doing its job so therefore the brain you know would have become oxygen deprived and within two minutes would have started having severe brain damage and within five minutes would have been completely without oxygen and completely dead if, if we just existed on the laws of physics then there would no there would be no near-death experience recoveries that came back and rehabitated their dead bodies and reanimated them like a Lazarus you know they this wouldn't exist they can't explain it. it freaks them out you know when you talk to them about this stuff so mm. and there's other kinds of like just people that that take ayahuasca and they go on journeys for 10 minutes and they feel like they're gone for an eternity correct you'll see that in solar revolution by the way there's some pretty cool stuff about that in there perfect yeah my brother was asking about ayahuasca i said well if you feel the need to take it and he's having uh a recent awakening so he's talking about stuff that he has never talked about before whether it's seeing symbols or seeing certain things and so it's kind of interesting to hear it from him because none of this stuff's in his wheelhouse like he's he's kind of like the guy that goes to work comes home plays his video games or whatever he's not much into sports and then for him to come back and talk about like so what is a crystalline structure and wh what are these alchemy symbols and i'm like well i don't know a lot about it so it's, it's interesting to hear about that part of, the, of him waking up and you mentioned the cosmic wave we call it the wave of light is that you think that's the same thing or the blue light blue yeah whatever you want to call it okay and i think i know your answer to this one for the great reset i know we, we dug into it a lot a lot of it but just to get your point of view of it you think the great reset is more for the nwo or since systems have to fall is the great reset more for the new new earth look you know i i, I could just say yeah it's for them but i stopped looking at us as us and them okay and i've begun to look at everything as one and really you know we're in this bubble together and we can't pretend that we want to believe everything is connected in a singularity and consciousness connected to the cosmos and god and then say but except for those guys over there they're bad no they're part of us you know right and we have to embrace that so the great reset we can turn it like i i still think mm -hmm. you know why not then we'll just like i like we hijacked the narrative of the looking glass guardians and the timeline you know away from just talking about cataclysmic and disastrous events and we brought it into talking about consciousness so we can hijack the great reset terminology and make it mean whatever we want it to mean right in a way yes it will be a great reset absolutely it'll just be a consciousness reset but maybe yeah. it'll not just be a reset in the negative sense that starting from the beginning uh you know it'll be it'll be an extension mm -hmm. and it'll be all of a sudden those features you didn't pay for, you know, you just had the budget, $4.99 a month plan, and now you got the 40 buck a month plan. You got all those features, but you got a hundred more, you know? Right. So you're not resetting, you're just re you're just upgrading. So it'll be like the great upgrade. But you know, you can call it the great reset because it'll reset the society that that's in a slumber right now, that's living in limited thinking, that's living in, you know, this denial of who they really are, because it's blasphemous to say that we're God or we're son of God or daughter of God. You know, and uh, you can believe in Klaus Schwab's limited thinking, uh, you know, that data uh, is the king and data is, is the future. It's what they think. That's why they want to. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, that's why Elon Musk bought Twitter. I think he needs the data. He's got a company 
Neuralink, you know, he wants to connect, you know, data. He needs data, he needs lots and lots of data. What better way than to mine it directly off of Twitter? That is sound like a hero, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. you're you know, the hero of the people. You're going to make it like a, what do they call it? The town square of every of a digital, you know, but the back real reason isn't the one they're talking about, you know? Yeah. Right, right. <clears throat> it kind of sounds like they're taking this opportunity that's coming our way to create our own reality. And it's like, hey, guys, this is the way we're going. And they're trying to take us to go this way. But in reality, we need to go this way on the positive reality. That's what it kind of, I take it as. Yeah, they're kicking us in the butt. Mm. They're, saying, they're saying, look, are you, are you even looking at this? Are you even considering this? Do you even know that there's a timeline that you could be on and one that you are on right now? That, you know, I mean, do you know that there's options, right? Most people feel helpless. They just, they're coasting along in life, barely paying their bills. They've got us all down so heavily economically that most of us are focused on just the basic primal instincts of survival. We could be thriving right now. Some of those technologies I was mentioning to you, like if if those had been developed 100 years ago and nobody had to pay for energy anymore and there was free, no more pollution. And, you know, I mean, society would already be halfway in utopia right now. But instead, we're slugging it out. I mean, whenever I go to the States, every time I just feel heartbroken when I see all the I see the condition of the roads and I see the, the condition of the people. They're unhealthy. They're all, a, lot of, a lot of people are just really unhealthy because they, the cheapest thing for them to eat is the cheapest food that's the most unhealthy. And that's been polluted by the chemical dumps that the pharmaceutical and the Rockefeller you know, mining mm-hmm. companies, whoever else, have dumped for the last you know, century into our food supply. The, the fluoride and the all the crap in the water and the stuff they're spraying on us over there in the Thames trails. I mean, they're just, it's no wonder people are getting COVID like symptoms that are in mm-hmm. the colds are at the, the level, even the colds have upped their game and the viruses are, are upping their game too, you know, just like we need to, because everything's coming to a, a point. We're being pushed to the cliff's edge and, the, and, and we just need to realize, Hey guys, there's a choice. Who's giving us that talk. Who's telling us about the choice right. in the mainstream. Right. We need to force them to tell us that we need to we need to make them look at what's important. So yeah, it sounds do. like they're talking about the choice, but they're saying, oh, that choice is this world economic form that we're talking about. Yeah. We're not talking course. about the other positive choices. They believe it. I mean, I'm sure they believe their their um, they believe their, 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 <laughs> their narrative. You know, they're they're trained little puppet boys. You know, I mean, they're just into it. That's what they want to do. So the other thing I want wanted to ask you since you're a filmmaker i always wanted to talk to someone that's in the industry as well about this subject right here to get your point of view of it why do you think they put certain things in movies you know whether you mentioned contact or the stargate series and in these other movies and stuff like that the med beds they put all these disclosure things into all these movies what why do you think they do it and i have a hunch why they do it but I wanted to get your point of view on it. Well, there's two ways to look at it. You could say it's kind of a soft disclosure. Correct. On the one hand, to teach us psychologically, to prepare us for impending announcements that may have something to do with extraterrestrials or certain technology. And on the other hand, they could be using it just like they they say that Jesus is the only son of God. They put all this stuff up on the screen and you think it's somewhere in the far distant future. You think that, oh, it works on the screen, but it wouldn't happen in real life. 
You know, I mean, you go home at the end of the movie and it's you go back to your life. You know, you you live the fantasy of the Marvel characters that went and beat the bad evil so-and-so in the universe with this really cool technology, by the way. Mm -hmm. But then yeah, you go Marvel. home at the end of the movie and, and you go back to your mundane, normal life and you work your stupid, underpaid job mm -hmm. uh, and you forget and you think it's all a fantasy and you're never going to get there. That's the other way of putting it out there. Yeah, because I had two theories, like one, the story goes, the ETs, for example, they've given us technology in the past so many times, and they never, they say, they never brought that technology to the masses. They hold on to it. And the other theory is that they'll put it out in these movies, say, hey, this is how we disclose it. No one's really asking for it. We put it in this movie, but nobody's asking for this type of technology and everything, or this type of lifestyle. And they know that it's kind of like they got scammed out of their agreement in a way. So the, and the other part of it that I have my theory of was that, let's say Stargate, the series. So if someone's talking about something like, yeah, and they try to describe something they're like, yeah, it's just like the series where they went through this portal, just, just like this. So if someone wanted to call BS on their story, they can easily say, well, you got that from a, a movie you got that from a series having any original information you're getting this from this and that kind of like shuts them down and i wanted to get your thoughts on that you think that's any truth to that i i see it more of them sucking our energy like our louche as they call it you know they just ah, um, candace talked about we, that you know we just get into like we we allow ourselves to go into their fantasy world and we feel all those feelings of like Oh man, would that be cool? And all oh, that is so great. And you know, we give them our emotional feed. I mean, when you mm. go to the theater, it's an emotional experience for most people, far more than it is even in front of a television screen. But it also works in front of a computer screen or a television screen. You give them your emotion and your attention for those two hours. And what you've done is you've given them your energy. Because if you don't turn around and do something with the information that you got back, like try to change the world in a positive way with that, then what have you done? You've just masturbated for the last two hours and it's been awesome. But so? <laughs> it's kind of like, like they're putting that information out there in these movies and we're helping them to create their type of reality. Yeah, we're helping them give get their reality. They're showing it. They're flaunting the tools that they're already playing with. Mm. They're now already out there with those tools. And we hear that there's somewhere in, you know, 50 years in the future, you know, there's always some story, backstory, right? Unattainable, not now. And so, you know, we go to escape and we give them our energy. And yeah, there are those people that are tuned in, you know, probably ones listening right now that are awake and that are going there to get the download. Like they're, they go there, aha, that's what they're doing. That's what mm -hmm. they're up to, right? Right. But right. that's the minority of us. I mean, there's some of us watching and going, okay, this is the one that they're using to tell us this and that. But by far and large, 99.9% .9 of the people in that theater are just giving away their energy for nothing. Yeah. And they even have to pay for it. They have to take the energy that they spent, you know, earning the money at the job they don't like to do and give it to the cashier to go in and give their energy further to the screen. Yeah, it's just a shame. Yeah, I mean, I love theater and movies too, but I like to, that's why, I, you know, we made Packing for Mars and Solar Revolution because when you go see our movies, you walk out changed. <laughs> it's like you walk you've out been with affected. Knowledge. <laughs> right, you come out going, holy 
Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Klaus, you know, like the, what that existed, you know, 50,000 years ago, that can't be, well, how could mm -hmm. that be? Right. So, or solar revolution or Mars, like what we're on Mars, you know, I mean, I yeah. like the ending uh, for Packing for Mars where you got that phone call and the universe oh, is calling you. I like that. I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. And for the other one, Secret World, uh, they talked about that step pyramid. That looked very, very interesting. The pyramid-shaped object. That yeah. was pretty cool. Did they say where they found that at? Was it, it, it was in Brazil? Ecuador. Ecuador? Okay. <clears throat> I believe. I could be wrong, but I think it's Ecuador, yeah okay watch the dvd it'll tell you <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i or thought that was pretty too. Yeah. what's that you can stream the movies too so we've we've, we've entered the digital age too so you know for those okay. who don't want to buy a dvd yeah. perfect i'll watch your movies on real house that's why yeah I was that's 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 our that's our platform that's the one we that's that's the one we would prefer you to go watch it on because okay. then, you know you give something to the <clears> filmmaker perfect and i noticed you have the videos up on Amazon Prime, but you're not able to watch it through Amazon Prime. Well, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you don't get to watch it. And and then if you do have Amazon Prime and watch it, we get like about like this much from it, you know. Okay. I didn't so, even see uh, an option to rent it or buy it or anything. So I was You know, if you're gonna go to Amazon, just get the DVD. But you know, like okay. hey, listen, if it's a matter of you watching it or not watching it, then please watch it on Amazon. It's still gonna you know, it's still gonna help the the world, right? I got in you. a way that it'll it'll open you up to some things that you may not have thought about before. Okay. For Atlantis, was there anything? Solar. Solar is one of those movies, especially Solar. It's one of those movies where people have written it. You still write us and say, you know, they were living in a family of skeptics and, you know, they always thought they were crazy. And then they sat them down and showed them Solar Revolution and then they were silent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I look forward to, uh, to watching that one. Would you recommend that movie for this conversation that we have? Would that be the most relatable movie out of what we talked about? both well yeah i mean that one yes and definitely packing for mars also yeah okay I mean, but all of the all three of them are, are in a way they're all like they're they're anti uh you know dumbing down kind of movies you know so you're it's like the, it breaks the spell <laughs> so yeah it'll, you know but but solar re refers very distinctly to this coming wave so you know you're gonna definitely find that you know again but we talk about that also in packing for mars so but we just packing for Mars has a different theme and it's more like the punk little brother of solar revolution, which is more science and, you know, yeah, more safe. That's why so many people are happy to show it to, to their doubting family members. And right. Um, I understand what you're saying. Packing for Mars kind of goes down the rabbit hole, you know, mm -hmm. where people just don't, you know, may not want to go, but we try to keep our, our ground, uh, our feet on the ground. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you can't go too deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, if you lose your audience, you know, right off the bat, then what's the point, you know? Correct. You mentioned Atlantis. Uh, did you have any information about Atlantis or what, what are your thoughts on Atlantis? Well, I just see Atlantis and I mean, I've heard, you know, I mean, we when we worked with Klaus, he had that, there was that rock that we show in the Klaus Donner Chronicles, which depicts the location of Atlantis, you know, and, mm -hmm. and but then there's like other people that say it's, you know, somewhere totally different. There's Plato's version, and there's the version of it being in um, in, in Greece, you know, and, and Santorini. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's almost irrelevant. I just think that it's clear there was probably some. We have cellular memory in our, you know, in our bodies that 
that go back to those memories of Atlantis. All of us have it sort of vaguely programmed deep, deep inside. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all relate to that, um, to that event, what happened, because it symbolizes kind of where we're at now again. So, right. you know, that, so, I mean, that's the only thing that, that is important about it to me, just that I can. It's kind of like we're repeating the same things over again. Yeah. It's a symbol for where technology, you know, the story goes, right. Technology got out of hand and then, you know, it cracked the earth and destroyed the old, all of Atlantis. Well, I mean, what is that? Right. How does that look? If you look at, I mean, in the webinar, we talk about cataclysm science, right? So we go into what are the, are there evidences of any past events that took place where there was a pole shift and there actually is, and we show that. Right. So Atlantis could very well be one of those events that took place where there was some J rods here, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. uh, some mm -hmm. humans that, you know, went, you know, rogue and uh, got greedy and screwed it up. You know, we have free will. This is one of the things, like I guess I didn't say anything about today, but we have free will, you know, and why should, like a lot of people think the ETs are going to save us or the ETs would never allow, allow a nuclear war to happen. Why? They didn't stop Hiroshima. Did they stop Nagasaki? Didn't stop that either, right? Did they stop all those uh, atomic explosions in the atmosphere? You mean the thousands? What about the ones under the water that, you know, killed off all those whales and dolphins, which are also quite sentient beings, right? What about the ones on the desert? I mean... Did they stop them? No, they're not going to stop it because there is no savior. There would be no free will if there was a savior to come in at the last minute. Okay, right. guys, you screwed up. Here you go. You know, reset, you know, you got to learn all over again. No, you're not going to learn because in the back of your mind, then you'll have in your cellular programming. Well, it doesn't matter what you do in the end. Someone will always come along and fix it for you. No, we have to have the free will to fuck it up, you know, and, uh, yeah, and that's part of it. So, you know, uh, there's no guarantee we're going to pull out of this. There's no, I don't believe that we're just going to automatically land in the enlightened candy land. Why? Right. We didn't work. For, if you didn't work for it, why would you suddenly show up there? If you haven't, you know, all those people that have been working on their spiritual, you know, developing their spirituality and awakening, they've been going through years and years of suffering against all odds around them, all the people laughing at them and not believing in their stuff, you know. And those people are going to, it's like the meek shall inherit the earth. You know, those are the meek. Those are the people that saw the fine, subtle reality. They're going to move. Why should all the, you know, the, all the bulldogs and narcissists show up beside them and get that too, right? The only thing you can say about them is they were there to push you to realize that you need to manifest something better. And it's up to us to choose whether we want to, you know, make that happen or whether we want to go down the same old, same old loop atlantis version 2.0 or 10.0 yes. or whatever it is <laughs> maybe 3.0 <laughs> and if i'm wrong jason you know it's like i'm plan b right mm -hmm. i'd rather be the plan b guy that okay if you're wrong about you know that the timeline is going to automatically and that the bad guys have been kicked saying. off the planet and stuff well great i hope i'm wrong i hope that you're right and guess what? I'm going to meet you on Earth 2.0. We're going to talk about this and laugh about it. We're all going to have had our roles, right? But I'm not going to sit on my butt and just say, well, look, it's all happening. So why should I do anything? I'm going to. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. pretend that. Why should I pretend that? Besides, heard... It's a lot of fun, man. I'm not depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm having fun talking about this stuff. It's exciting. And people get a boost. You should see all the emails I get all the time. People are like, 
wow, we're talking about stuff that's so cool. And I've been thinking about this all my life. It's waking people up mm -hmm. and they're talking about cool shit, right? It's Absolutely. not depressing. Part of the depressing part is to look at how horrible it, like if we go that way, it's going to be, but it's only there to make us go, no, we don't want to go there, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It seems like we, we want like a good journey, like a good story, you know, to go through, you know, before any changes come whether it's the cosmic right it, it seems all, like all chaotic systems all all evolutionary systems go through maximum chaos until the very end before switching into the new order mm -hmm. so we're in that stage of chaos right now absolutely so you mentioned free will i do remember a story and you talked about uh, the bomb and that was dropped on japan and so on so the story that i was told was that for our free will, we, we had a right to do whatever we wanted with this technology. It sucks that we use this technology for evil purposes, and now this technology will always have a negative side to it. But since we did drop it, one of the things that changed after World War II, there was the baby boomers situation. And that's when, you know, the call out from Earth or the, <clears throat> the solar system went out to the universe saying, hey, we need help. And that's why a lot of reasons why we have the baby boomers because, hey, y'all had this technology, you used it for wrong reasons, wrong purposes. Now you, we need help because we're going down the same path. We need all these new souls here to help us go forward to, to where, you know, we learn from our mistakes. So with that being said, I was wondering, you know, would you think that would be part of the reason why we're able to drop the bomb and you know with the new souls and everything to lead us here quicker to this uh change well everything did happen the way it did right so mm -hmm. i mean obviously it had a purpose right um it's just unfortunate that it has to be such a nefarious thing right it's such a violent thing and you know the other thing is i've heard many people tell me <laughs> that they're there's only really like 7% of the people on the planet that you see are human beings. Oh, wow. I never heard that before. <laughs> so let that one go through your brain, right? Mm, human beings. So what is the rest of the population? With a soul. A, no soul? With a soul, right? A human, uh, with, a human being, a being with a soul. Gotcha. So do you think part of the change would be, would be these individuals will get a soul no what would happen is these individuals would just vanish again because they were never real in the first place we just manifested them mm. like a non-game player is showing up in your video game you know yes. you're playing and there's a whole group of people with you playing but they're you're the only character with consciousness right we they're, call just, them, following, uh, they're just following the programming right yeah yeah we call them backdrop players. people Backdrop people, non-game players. They're ones mm -hmm. who see them on the news every night. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Next day, you know, oh, it's the Ukraine flag. Next day, oh, it's, it's France. Next day, oh, it's the COVID. Oh, it's the jab. You know, blah, blah, blah. They don't have any fucking substance. Sorry, they don't have any substance. Whoops. You know? <laughs> 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 Substanceless vacuum heads, right? <clears throat> they don't stand for anything. They don't have any balls. They don't have any, they don't have any, you know, they don't have any drive or, you know, will power or like, you know, want to make something great yeah mm, very very interesting you mentioned the guardians of looking glass how they said something about what they were talking about patriotic to be more patriotic 
No, they're, they're, what happened now is that they've been approached uh, by a, there's, there was a group of white hat hackers that have come, stumbled upon something in, uh, on, an, on a contract job in Europe. And it, was, it shook them up and they wanted to do something about it. So they decided to reach out to some other patriot groups that are, you know, that realized that the, the government in the, of the United States is not following the law nor the constitution mm. and that they, you know, they need to, so they, they approach these groups and then these groups decided, well, we need to, if you're going to get this information out there, you have, you can't, you can't approach, you can't get the information out the way we've done it before. The last time they tried that apparently, and they put that in this video was in 2021. Remember when Facebook went down? I heard for like, yeah, for many like hours, a day. Right? six hours or something like that. Yeah, or like half a day or something, almost uh, like you know, a long an eternity in digital space. <laughs> and it was it was because somebody had decided to use Facebook to drop some truth bomb, and they quickly caught it, deleted uh... it, and also found out who it was. And then they started the heavy censorship thing. On I mean, of course, they started it before that already, but it seems to me right. like that makes sense. That it gave them even more incentive to be even more sensory, sensory, brutally sense, well, heavily, heavy on censorship. And uh, mm -hmm. so now they're saying this group then to do this correctly, they realized that there was this other group out there called the Guardians of the Looking Glass who had accumulated hundreds of thousands or millions actually by now of, uh, of people, of eyeballs, thanks to yours truly and John and a few other people. You know, we started that narrative and you could see the numbers of the video views going up in direct relationship to the numbers of views on our on our talks. So, you know, I mean, they've now gotten uh, like a critical mass and you can do something with that. If you really do want to fight the system, you, you know, you have to do it in numbers. You can't go to their playing field and expect you're going to beat them. You can't go to Facebook. You know, like this whole thing about the Arab Spring and all these illusions, right? That's just, just think it through, man. <laughs> They're not, there's not going to be a revolution on Facebook. You try to start a revolution and put out some truth of something you just found out about that is a threat to the system. You just saw it. They shut it down in a second. Gone the con. So the way to do it now, and, and they, what happened is that in the previous email, the Guardians of the Looking Glass asked for the, because their channels were shut, basically shut, deleted, and the videos were deleted, they asked people to write them personally so that they could disclose information directly. Now, some people thought it was a honeypot, but I think there's better ways to do honeypot. And they already know who the dangerous players are anyway. Hmm. They don't need to honeypot people by getting the send, getting a few thousand people to send emails in it. But what, what they do now have is a database of people that have said, yep, I'm on board. Let's do it. Send me some information. And so now they're going to use this database of information to take the white hat hackers information and pass it along to all of us who are, who are now guardians. And so that's how the word patriot got in there. Okay. You know, so, so the patriot groups that are the ones that are coming to the guardians people who are then indirectly going to pass it along to us who are now de facto guardians, I guess, in a way you could say. Interesting. So we talked about your, your movies, your webinar. Is there anything else you wanted to mention that you're working on or anything else? Well, you know, I'd be happy if people were to, uh, if people were interested and wanted to do the webinar, that's a great way to start. If you want, if you're interested in this looking glass stuff, there's no other material out there that puts it together as like concisely and as broad spectrum 
you got a little taste of a, a lot of the little areas that that are in that tonight like i touched on a lot of different areas consciousness timelines technologies extra extraterrestrials you know so that's all in there and it's all going to help to kind of debunk the previous version of the timeline that you've been stuck on or help you at least you know recognize the timeline that you're on and give you a pretty solid idea that you can actually get on a new timeline a new earth timeline um, and, and so, yeah, that would be, I think, very constructive. Um, otherwise, you know, any of the movies that we have, of course, they're unlocking people as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to do some other webinar at some point in the future. But right now, I'm probably just going to wait until, you know, this whole looking glass thing plays out a bit more. I want to have enough time to be able to, you know, analyze the material that comes out to make sure that we... You know, we keep we keep a good discussion going, a healthy discussion going about it. Get it from many different perspectives, and and make sure that our our timeline is that people keep the focus on a new Earth timeline, and to keep thinking about a new Earth timeline, and yes. to recognize the transhumanist timeline is exactly what it is. Kind of reminds me when I interviewed Sarah, I was saying that each one of us is creating our own reality of that timeline of the of the new Earth timeline or the five D and so on. So each one of us is creating our version of that timeline. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it kind of lines up to what you're saying as well. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about that we did not talk about? I, th I think I did pretty good. No, you, you did know, an excellent job. Trying to get everything in, especially yeah, when no. once when you mentioned free will, I was like, yes, there was something I wanted to add to that as well. Yeah, Is no, I, else? We, I think we covered like so much material. <laughs> I, I tell you what, you're a wealth of knowledge with it. So I'm so glad that you came on board and and you decided to come on. So with that being said, if you're watching this video on Rumble, this would be the bonus footage. There'd be a link below to see the full interview. And if you're watching this video on Guardians of Magic because of the Atlantis stuff and our ancient past, that bonus footage would be on Guardians of Magic. But to see the full video, just go to QRE. Frank, was there anything else, bud? No, I think um, I'm tapped. <laughs> yeah yeah thanks for having me on and thanks for doing what you're doing i think you're quite the dude and thank you man and i know really and... thank you very much i know you know you you was on uh inspired youtube channel and i know they got like a ton, ton of subscribers and a ton of views and so when you agreed to come on to this one i, I really do appreciate it because i'm like the small guy just trying to work this series out and get different points of view and get your information as well so, and and i tell other people when i talk to them I, I truly feel like this information is not really meant for now it's really meant for in the future whether it's two years from now four years from now this type of information will connect a lot of the dots absolutely well my friend uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and hopefully uh, i'll pass for cross again hopefully you had a good time and i'll get to talk to you again soon Anytime. Thanks Perfect. a lot, man. All right. You take care, Frank.